Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM. Today I have an important show on and a really special guest because we're going to talk about how you navigate the healthcare system and think outside the box. We're talking about medical tourism and I think everybody, well anybody who's had a loved one or been in the hospital setting in the United States knows how frustrating and how sometimes catastrophic it can be, especially to your pocketbook, because they don't talk about price transparency. Hopefully the the executive order will change that, but until it does, you need to start thinking about how you can become a healthcare consumer and get the best that you can for your loved ones and yourself. And today I'm really honored to have Mr. Joseph Woodson on. He's the CEO of Patients Beyond Borders. He's been an outspoken advocate for affordable, high-quality medical and preventative care for healthcare consumers worldwide. Um, he spent the past 12 years researching and vetting international options for quality, affordable medical care. He's met and consulted with ministries and key stakeholders in the world's leading medical travel destinations, touring more than 200 medical facilities in 35 countries. And so he's been there, and he's actually gone and done the legwork for us, which I really, I'm very impressed. That's a lot of traveling, i got to tell you. Um, he's lectured at UCLA School of Public Health. Harvard Medical School, Duke Fuqua School of Business, Scientific American and International Society for Travel Medicine. So he's well-versed and, and knowledgeable, and that's why I wanted him to come on the show so we could actually learn about what's out there. Because I think one of the main problems that my, my patients and I think all patients have is that they think there's only one way to do it. You have to have insurance, otherwise you'll never get access to quality health care. And I think you can speak to the other side that there is life outside of health insurance, isn't there? First of all, thank you so much for the kind words and for having me on the show. I'm honored as well. And yes, there is life outside of health insurance and, and within health insurance. Um, medical tourism uh, for Americans seeking care outside the United States is almost always a question of, of cost. Uh, no one argues that we have great system of health care here. Uh, and yet we've heard talk over the past two decades um, as the United States drifted into uh, some really a serious health care cost crisis. Uh, and we've seen alternatives spring up and medical tourism is, uh, is one of those is one of those alternatives. And how did you get started with it? What was the, the stimulus that made you say, we have to have a different way, and, and you started this, this idea, and it's grown from there? Well, it, 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 uh, it, it was somewhat serendipitous. Uh, I'm not a doctor. I'm not in the healthcare business by trade. Uh, I'm a publisher by trade. We published technical books and founded a company uh, that published uh, essentially uh, books about computers and computer software. We sold that to a large Canadian publishing company in 1995. And then I just had to go start a website because I had an early interest in, in the Internet and distributed technologies and communication. Uh, and it was one of the first preventive care sites on the web called My Daily Health, which addressed 
uh, wellness and preventive strategies, preventive care strategies, one of the first of its kind on the web. And uh, through that, began to be really interested in some of the pressure points around the United States healthcare system. At that time, it looked like we were heading for a $2 trillion healthcare crisis, uh, and which has now ballooned into the $3.5 trillion healthcare crisis. Uh, we saw that in the year 2000. And shortly after that, my dad, who's somewhat eccentric, uh, announced that he was heading to Puerto Vallarta for a whole mouthful of teeth. And I'm like, oh my God, Dad, now what are you doing? <laughs> and he said, why don't you come join me? And I said, you know, I can't. Uh, and I did. And it was just really fascinating. He uh, was quite a little pioneer. He had done his homework. Uh, and he found three dentist offices uh, on an early, um, relatively early World Wide Web that um, some of the sites weren't even in English. But it turns out that he uh, landed on a, a clinic that was clean, had American certified dentists, uh, uh, did the work, and he saved, let's see, it was $31,000 he recorded in the United States. He got the work done for $14,000 and saved 17000 Wow. Uh, and when I got back home, I had people literally following me out the door when I would tell that story because everyone is one degree away from someone who's in some kind of a healthcare situation that they may or may not be able or willing to pay for. Mm-hmm. And so I saw a book in there. The publisher came out of me and began to put a team together. First, we did some research, found that there was no body of information that helped people uh, unless you were just gifted or a little bit te- technically oriented or really savvy like my father was, uh, that really helped them to learn where they could find affordable, uh, quality health care outside the United States. And truth be told, the infrastructure wasn't uh, really there to the degree that it is now. There are many trends that we'll talk about um, that contributed to um, this very early uh, ability for my father to even get that kind of information that would lead to decent care. But out of that um, grew uh, an effort that lasted two years. I hired a medical travel writer, a couple of uh, um, experts that knew their way around the medical world. Uh, and we ended up with a book, which was released uh, and announced in Singapore at a medical travel conference, one of the first in the world, uh, in February of 2007. And it's been, it's been a long, 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 strange journey from there. <laughs> it must be a very gratifying journey, though, to know how many people, how many lives you must have changed and saved. And and I just, that's an awesome thing to be able to, to say. Because when people are desperate, I imagine when they call you or look at your website and, and, and actually engage with your with your company, I mean, is there how do they find out about it? Is it an outreach that you do or is it word of mouth? What's the main way that people get to know that you exist? Well, we've been that's a really good question and we've been really fortunate. We've seen a lot of uh, medical tourism what we call medical OTAs, medical online travel agencies, so like TripAdvisor or Expedia for the mm-hmm. medical travel community. And we've seen a lot of them come and go. And frankly, that's not really our model. We just want to connect patients with providers and pass them through to the people that we feel are uh, a good a good match uh, in a number of different destinations that we have deemed 
uh, worthy of medical travel. They have the healthcare infrastructure. They've got the travel infrastructure, and we've gone and find found the hospitals and clinics um, based on some objective criteria um, that, that work. But to answer your question, um, we've never really spent a dime on Google AdWords. We've been really fortunate, and we've kind of positioned ourselves as the go-to source uh, uh, for the media, for research groups, for ministries of health and tourism. So we've been fortunate that we've gotten quite a bit of exposure uh, in all channels of media and research and academia. And so most of the searches that people conduct for typical, the typical searches that people could conduct, uh, patients the Alborges is one of the, one of the, one of the returns that they find. And they get on our site, they search for a destination, they search for a specialty, uh, and then they see a list of hospitals and clinics and, and a given destination at a given specialty. And then they can click and hopefully get connected with international patient services people at that particular clinic or hospital. Uh, the caveat there is that uh, just 10 or 12 years ago, even when we launched the book, um, that was a little more problematic. There weren't as many sites in English. There weren't as many internationally accredited facilities. And there's a group called the Joint Commission International, which is based in Chicago, which is an outgrowth of the largest accreditation agency, healthcare accreditation agency in the world. Uh, and, you know, mostly they accredit U.S. hospitals, but they felt the handwriting on the wall and came up with uh, an international branch. The reason I mention this is when we were doing research on the book, there were only 27 JCI accredited facilities in the world. Mm. Uh, now there are 28 alone in Thailand. Mm. Uh, and uh, something like a 1,000 facilities that are JCI accredited around the world. That gives patients a lot of comfort that when they go to one of these hospitals and clinics, they're going to at least get the kind of care that they would expect in the United States. At least there's a standard there mm-hmm. um, that they can count on. So that's that's huge for us, and it's one of the trends that I mentioned that contributes to medical tourism, medical travel becoming, you know, something of a thing, if you will. Got you. On that note, let's take our first break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. Dr. George from Medicine on Call. Each week I speak about our healthcare system and the problems with it. One of the main problems is the doctor-patient relationship. I've found that patients really crave time, the time to ask their doctor questions, and physicians crave the time to answer those questions in a thorough manner. Towards that end, Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center is pleased to announce a new video telemedicine service. We now offer consultation for second opinions and for people who'd like to learn more and ask questions about how to navigate the healthcare system in a cost-effective and efficient manner. Go to peachtreeentcenter.video-visits.com to learn more. Are you having problems with persistent bad breath, constant throat clearing, hoarseness, a cough that won't go away, a sore throat, or a feeling that something's always stuck in your throat? Why not find out what the problem is so it can be fixed? At Peachtree ENT Center, we believe in taking time to work with our patients as a team to get to the root of the problem. Make an appointment today to see why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com.
Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with Mr. Joseph Woodman, the CEO of Patients Beyond Borders. And people should go, um, you guys should go to the website, patientsbeyondborders.com. It's really just as easy as he described. You can go in and literally look for hospitals, procedures, pick your destination, and they have um, testimonials from patients who've actually gone and had care at various locations. And one of the things that I'm, I'm, I've noticed about the, the standard of care out of the country, and I think a lot of these doctors have actually trained in the United States or even been residents or had practices and gone back to their home country. So it, it has like the best of both worlds in some, in some instances where they really are doctors who would be practicing here. But for whatever reason that they chose, they're doing it in their own home country. And so the, you're right. The standard of care doesn't have to doesn't change. It's just as good. But the cost is just phenomenal, phenomenally different. Is there? I know it's a dumb question, but I'm just curious. Is there a reason that the cost is so much less out of the United States? Is there something that you've pin, pinpointed as a reason that we're just crazy, exorbitantly expensive, and you can get the same thing, the same doctors in some instances, the same equipment, but it's a fraction of the price? Well, it's, a, it's, it's, it's not a soundbite of an answer. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why the healthcare costs in this country are, are so high. And as a doctor, you're, you're familiar with a lot of these manufactured retail rates mm-hmm. um, based on the negotiated rates that uh, insurance companies charge. And they keep gouging uh, providers, doctors, and clinics uh, for steeper and steeper discounts so that uh, the clinics have to keep artificially raising the prices so that the discounts come out to something that they can afford. So people that are left behind who are uh, uninsured and now a whole new population post-Obamacare or ACA or whatever you want to call it uh, are now underinsured and don't even realize it, uh, end up caught in the middle paying uh, too much. Uh, if they're uninsured, they're paying way too much for, for care because of these artificial retail rates. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're underinsured, uh, they get a false sense of security until they actually get sick, and we're seeing more and more of this. Uh, and so a knee procedure that they think they're covered on by the time the deductible and the co-pays and the gotchas and the, the fees, uh, the exclusions, um, all get added up, they end up paying uh, $12,000 for a surgery anyway, mm-hmm. where across the water or across borders, uh, there are perfectly good facilities where you might end up paying $3,000 or $4,000 for the same procedure. Uh, in terms of why it's so much lower uh, in, uh, in uh, um, cross-border destinations, um, the cost of living is much lower. Uh, doctors and specialists, especially specialists, don't command these huge salaries. Uh, it's just unthinkable that a cosmetic surgeon or an orthopedic surgeon uh, or even a cardiologist or a neurosurgeon, for all that matters, commands the, the many, many millions of dollars a year that um, that, that, that a lot of these surgeons make, particularly in these uh, these high-profile specialty mm-hmm. clinics like Cleveland Clinic and Mayo, et cetera. Uh, cost of instrumentation is lower. Um, people can get a, you know, a, a, providers can buy a cyber knife uh, or a proton therapy uh, device uh, all kinds of instrumentations far less expensively, often pharmaceuticals, very expensive pharmaceuticals are less expensive there. And just the cost
cost of building a facility, all the way down to the semi-skilled and unskilled labor, is just far, far less. So uh, that is something that Americans can take advantage of, whether they choose to go to Mexico or Costa Rica or a little farther away to India, uh, even further out to Southeast Asia, which is kind of the epicenter of medical tourism. Thailand, Malaysia, and Singapore are all quite quite good and quite mature as medical travel destinations. Now, when you when a uh, potential patient comes to your service to use your service, what's included? Is it just the medical care, or is the aftercare included? I mean, there's some I've heard that if there is a complication, that that's also included in the the baseline cost. There's no extra charge. How do you? How does your company work that? Well, uh, we are not in the medical travel facilitation business per se. Okay. Um, we are connected with people who are, and we uh, partner, as a matter of fact, with a, a group based out of uh, Bangkok uh, that uh, specializes in uh, cosmetic surgery and dentistry, which is, by the way, uh, it might surprise some people, something like 85% of all medical travel. And it's not sexy to talk about, um, but that's... That is, that is most of the reason that patients cross borders, uh, for care is for either dentistry, and I don't mean just not, I, I don't mean just checkups, I mean complex dentistry where people are getting quoted 45 and 50 and 60 thousand dollars for a mouthful of new teeth, uh, and absolutely cannot afford it. And so you see a lot of traffic going there. So there's a group called Dental Departures based out of Bangkok, and the same group has a site called Medical Departures, and there, they kind of are a trip advisor for the medical travel, and they uh, act as a concierge service. They have a full team that um, helps with visas and passports, helps to uh, locate the best destination for the patient, uh, has airport pickup ser- services, shuttle services, connects them with the best clinics. They've vetted these clinics in some 37 or 40 destinations around the world, and they have patient ratings. They've got over 100,000 bookings under their belt. So they... Uh, actually do a lot of that work. We're more of an information clearinghouse, uh, but also a site where consumers can go and uh, be led to uh, the hospitals and clinics that are online, and we try to connect them to the International Patient Services Centers, and many of them now these days have matured to the point where they offer many of these services as well, airport pickup and drop-off, mm-hmm. um, helping with visa, helping uh, companions with travel plans, uh, helping to find hotels and lodging and accommodations. So there are more and more of these hospitals and clinics uh, as they become more competitive are offering those kinds of non-clinical uh, patient experience services that are really important. It's amazing how the free market works, isn't it? You want to be <laughs> yeah. the best customer service you can offer. You're going to keep upping the ante because you want the business, right? Yeah, exactly. And and, and healthcare, uh, because providers are more accountable, um, you know, this just gets a little bit political, but because they're more accountable, they're more competitive. Because they're more competitive, they have to be more price conscious. In mm-hmm. the United States, one of the big complaints about the healthcare system is there's just no accountability. Nobody gives a damn about what a treatment costs or how many tests we're going to. I just, um, just I personal experience, uh, Father's Day weekend, I snapped my Achilles tendon and just cut it right, you know, just blasted it right in two, couldn't walk. Uh, uh, the next 24 hours, I was admitted into three different places, uh, an, emer- an urgent care that referred me to a ER that referred me to then Duke, Duke Sports Medicine. All of them took x-rays. Two of them took sonograms. Unbelievable duplication. 
uh, of effort and duplication of expense. Saw three different doctors, two different orthopedic people, mm. just to finally get uh, a diagnosis and an ortho boot that they sent me home in and told me to come back in four weeks. Wow. That would not happen uh, in Thailand or Mexico or other destinations. They just simply aren't cut out for that kind of waste. And it's just really refreshing to go to places like this mm -hmm. and to see that you've got a very different MO. Uh, another example, which I just can't resist relaying to you, when I did get a, uh, a, um, an MRI in Bangkok at arguably the largest international hospital in the world, they serve 400,000 cross-border patients every year. It's called Bumagrad, B-U-M-R-U-N-G-R-A-D, in Bangkok. And I had an MRI, and it was $426. Uh, the nurse actually quoted me the price, so everyone knows the prices. You can't get a price here in the United States for an MRI. Just try, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I said, uh, well, uh, they said, well, you can come back tomorrow and pick up the DVD. Back then, they didn't have it online yet. And they said, but if you come back uh, uh, at 2 in the morning, um, uh, you can pick it up. And uh, if you'd had your MRI... Uh, at 2 in the morning, it would have been $216. And just for giggles, I went to, to pick it up, and sure enough, 2 in the morning, there was a whole different class of people there. It was mostly a peasant class, where $216 was a whole month pay. Mm -hmm. But my point is that MRI uh, was a you know state-of-the-art, um, absolutely modern machine, but it was being it was being run 24 hours a day. Mm -hmm. And... You know, there wasn't some doctor in some hospital that bought some gizmo that cost millions of dollars that was sitting in the corner gathering dust. And I'm sure as a doctor, you've seen that kind of, mm -hmm. kind of waste in our healthcare system. You don't, you don't see that. And therefore prices are kept down, uh, and prices are kept competitive. So that's a great, great news for people who have the profile of, um, of, of, of being able to psychologically and physically and financially uh, cross borders for their care. On that note, let's take our second break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. You're listening to Medicine on Call, where healthcare, business, and current events connect. What's up, everybody? Bubba here. It's finally here. The long-awaited Bubba Report, bringing you news from all the trading floors across the globe. We've got Scott Chalady, the cow guy, as seen on CNBC, Fox, and Bloomberg. We've got Keith Bliss, CNBC, Fox, and a floor trader at the New York Stock Exchange. We've got The Badger, who writes the hot topics in the political news. We've got myself putting together my own unique indexes that will help you give you a better idea of what's going on in the market. All you need to do to get a hold of the Bubba Report is go to the thebubbashow.org and sign up for the newsletter, or you can email me direct at bubba at thebubbashow.org. We want you to have this report because we've got over 150 years of experience talking about markets, getting ready for the trading, and puts you in the best position to have successful. So email me at bubba at thebubbashow.org to get a copy of your report or go right to the website, thebubbashow.org. Make sure you get it. It's a must-have for every investor and trader. The Bubba Report. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. We're speaking with 
about Patients Beyond Borders, uh, a company that is an educational adjunct, I think, a foundation for people to learn and to be matched and to find healthcare outside of the country that works for them. And I'm looking at the, just the array of different medical um, treatments that people can go for, anything from LASIK, eye surgery, cosmetic surgery, orthopedics, heart surgery, dental surgery. And, you know, here in the United States, I think that one of the, I'm not an OBGYN, but one of the major things that people seem to really, you have to have some money if you want to do this, would be, you know, in, in vitro or um, in IVF and helping with fertility. That's also something that you that you help people find, isn't it? It, it is, and it's uh, it's something. It's traditionally, medical uh, travel, uh, not surprisingly, um, is conducted by folks between forty five and sixty five. In other words, people uh, pre Medicare who are stuck in this uh, world of beginning to age into some complex condition that they discover they really can't afford, whether they're underinsured or uninsured. Um, But there are increasingly um, a group of folks who are responding to um, opportunities to travel overseas. And yes, IVF and fertility is certainly uh, one of those, and that's just by definition reserved for folks that are under under 45, Mm -hmm. so a little bit out of the traditional medical travel mix. And um, it's expensive. You're right. Uh, especially what people don't realize is, you know, some significant percentage of pregnancies via uh, IVF and other processes don't take on the first round. So it can get very expensive. Um, you've also got more uh, gay couples, and that gets really expensive mm-hmm. um, for a number of reasons. Um, a couple that I I happen to know is over two hundred thousand dollars in Los Angeles. Another couple spent a hundred thousand dollars in New in New York. Um, there are specialty centers that, frankly, uh, one of them is actually not not far away. It's in the Caribbean, believe it or not. It's called Barbados Fertility Center. It's one of the smallest JCI facilities on the planet. Some has something like just six or seven beds because it's mostly an outpatient procedure. And um, they have been around for something like 20 years, and they have a lot of data that shows that it, that stress is a big factor in the success rate. And uh, their uh, whole story and their narrative is come on down, chill in Barbados, uh, and make a baby. And uh, in the... 44 to 47 year old category or category something like that. I'd have to look up the data. Uh, as a 12% greater chance of becoming pregnant, um, in a clinic, Barbados Fertility Center, as in a typical clinic in the United States, where it's a little bit more of a test tube process, a little bit more clinical. They don't have the kind of bedside manner that you might see in some of these fertility clinics that I visited. Um, and frankly, I think that's having an effect on clinics in the United States, um, just like treating the person um, something uh, a little bit with a little more dignity than a lab rat mm-hmm. is beginning to affect cancer treatment centers in this country as well. And so much of that uh, we've seen early on in other countries. Um, and to be fair to the United States, 
were, you know, we have some of the best research in the world and some of the best doctors and surgeons grew out of research. And yet, um, because of their highly technical nature, they had a more difficult time differentiating a, a human being from a lab rat. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I don't want to be unfair, but um, I think everyone's had that kind of treatment um, with the U.S. healthcare system. And there is a an increasing awareness that the patient experience is as important as the clinical experience, particularly with complex treatments. And we're seeing more and more of an improved bedside manner in the United States, which I think is one of the side effects of the competition that medical tourism is bringing to the table. You have to be, you have to offer something, especially if you're going to be able to get everything you want elsewhere, including bedside manner. You've got cost, you've got state-of-the-art treatment, you excellent physicians, excellent, you know, um, ancillary staff. You've got to come up to the table because you're not the only game in town. I think it's all about competition. I don't care where it is. And if I think the medical system in the United States, especially after the Affordable Care Act, I think people were locked into thinking, I have to take what you give me. doesn't matter how much it is. There's nothing else to choose. I think that that pendulum is actually swinging back the other way, and happily so. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. A patient, there's more and more out there on the web. There's Cost Helper and several sites that help patients, under, help, help them Understand, we're, we're still a long way from full cost transparency in the United States. Uh, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but um, more and more patients can search for hospitals within 10 and 20 miles of them, or frankly, over state lines. You know, medical travel isn't restricted to crossing international borders. There's a whole phenomenon of domestic medical travel, where um, you know, if, if you're an employee, if you're an employee, uh, you can be covered across state lines and you have a choice if and if you get if you have the coverage uh, or even if you have no coverage and you can afford it, uh, you can travel to a Cleveland clinic. As a matter of fact, Cleveland Clinic has been increasing competition by uh, entering into arrangements with organ- big organizations like Lowe's, I believe, that is now giving their employees a choice for certain procedures, cardiac and orthopedic procedures, to go to Cleveland Clinic and incentivizing them to travel to Cleveland Clinic for care. So if I'm in some rural area with, um, you know, some community hospital, again, not to disparage the doctors and practitioners there, but am I going to go to this community hospital that might not have great diagnostics or great implementation, or am I going to go to Cleveland Clinic and pocket $2,000 in incentive? I think I might go to Cleveland Clinic. Why not? So these are the kinds of things that medical tourism is driving. Sorry. Oh, actually, I have a corollary to that question. Is the price point in the medical tourism side, is that being, is that driving the price down at all in the U.S. market? So, example. I, I don't think it is. Well, I mean, if go someone ahead. said, I can go to Thailand and get my knee replaced for X, can you beat that if I stay and use your facility? I mean, I think that patients could probably exert even more force if they were to use that, <laughs> that argument. Well, we have had untold numbers of patients, mostly with dentistry, where um, where they actually do that. So they'll tell their dentist they'll be mostly shamed, you know, and they've got to <laughs> break it to their dentist that they're and they'll say, you know, I just I just can't afford you. I'm going to Cancun uh, or Tijuana for my uh, and the, proceed, the dentist will go, whoa, 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 hold on here, <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> 
Um, and then suddenly they're bargaining. Suddenly they put them on a, on a price plan or suddenly they, uh, a payment plan, I mean, or suddenly they say, well, we can drop that price a little bit. And I've seen price drops as high as 30%. Um, and then the patient goes, well, you know, I don't really want to travel for care. Sure. I can, I can do that if you can drop your price. Mm-hmm. So there's just so much wiggle room in our system, which is shameful in itself. Um, I get it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're seeing a lot. And, and another point I want to make is that that has happened in cosmetic surgery because cosmetic surgery is something that, um, uh, the luxury patient has traveled for since the early 20th century. So it's been around, travel for cosmetic surgery has been around for a long time where, you know, matrons and patrons from Beverly Hills and Chevy Chase and people would go and visit. They'd sort of surgeon and safari trip in South Africa or they'd go to Brazil and get their cosmetic surgery done. And in, in this very small circle, uh, that put a lot of, of the cosmetic surgery specialists on notice. And the, there's a reason why cosmetic surgery over the last five decades has not grown in cost at the same rate that other elective procedures have, and that is quantifiable. So uh, to answer your question, I think anyone who's contemplating a knee surgery uh, at a medical at a medical center would be well advised to see if they can't uh, say the same thing to their doc. I can't afford you. I got it. I'm going across the water for my care. Mm-hmm. The problem is that by the time you get into a hospital and you're not in a smaller clinic anymore, then you're in this more acid bureaucracy, and the doc uh, is very far away from the accounting department and may or may not be able to negotiate a rate. But why not try? You know, uh, and at least you've informed your doctor, which is something that all patients should do anyway. Don't surprise them. Always come back with your paperwork, all, all your blood work and your um, consulting reports, x-rays, so that the, when you do come back, if there's any complication, your doctor can, uh, can or specialist can have a roadmap as to what, you know, how, where, where to begin. Agreed. Um, in terms of the different destinations, I know you mentioned Thailand is the largest, and uh, I think it was Barbados, was it, was the the Caribbean destination. What's the most exotic place? Well, that was for, that, for IVF, yeah. For IVF, for, right. For What's the most exotic place mm-hmm. that you've opened or, you know, let people know about that people would never think? You know, I, I it's, it's in a way that's, we, we didn't approach it that way. It's a good question. Um, in fact, we don't really like the term medical tourism. Mm-hmm. It grew, um, it grew out of the, grew out of actually, believe it or not, interestingly enough, and speaking of exotic, everyone's heard of the incredible India tourism program. Mm-hmm. And the uh, Ministry of Tourism in India some 20 years ago was trying to figure out why all these people in the UK were coming to India for orthopedic care, heart care, cancer care. And what was happening is that the way that the NHS, the big uh, National Health Service in the UK government run, was just triaging specialty work because they were running out of money. So they were creating long waits, taking 18 to 24 months just to get a cardiac cardiac work done. I had one patient tell me I would have died before I got on the operating table. I went to um, Bangalore in India for my care. So um, out of that grew the term medical tourism. And we don't really like it because it's just really we encourage patients to 
uh, look at a medical trip more like a business trip than a leisure trip. You go there, get your work done, mm-hmm. pocket your money, come back, then take your, va- take your vacation. You know, we're talking about wound management. We're talking about possible hospital-borne infections. We're talking about a period of 10 days after a complex procedure where patients really need to be taking care of themselves and where we see patients get into a lot of trouble, even dying, mm-hmm. is when particularly cosmetic treatment patients don't follow doctor's orders, decide to take a trip after a tummy tuck, end up in some far-flung land, uh, begin an infection, their wound is exposed, and then they can't get back in time. Or they come back to the United States and then awful things happen. So in terms of uh, exotica, um, I don't know of any medical travel destination more exotic than Thailand. I'm a big fan of, of, of the Thai medical system. Um, there's a hospital named Boomerang. Uh, we have no financial tie to them. I, that's my personal favorite, and that's where I go for my care. And they have some 300 American board-certified doctors uh, uh, under their administration and medical team. Uh, they're American-run. They're Thai-owned, but they're American-run. Uh, the CEO is American, and um, it's just not. I mean, you're you're, you're within a stone's throw with some of the most beautiful country and some of the most beautiful people on the planet. So I would, I, I prefer Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. uh, a little bit north. Uh, Korea is an incredible destination and they have great health care. Mm-hmm. And these countries are both, uh, have higher life expectancies and better health care infrastructures than the United States, according to the World Health Organization. It says a lot, doesn't it? On that note, let's take our last break. You're listening to Medicine on Call. From treatment of sinusitis with balloon dilation to minimally invasive office procedures to correct snoring, Peachtree ENT Center offers state-of-the-art care. We also specialize in price transparency. You'll know the cost of our ENT services before they're rendered, whether you have a high deductible plan or no insurance at all. Make an appointment today to find out why Peachtree ENT Center is where patient care counts. Call 404-591-9100 or visit us at peachtreeentcenter.com. You can catch the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify, and a host of other multimedia platforms. Subscribe and share it with your friends. This is Dr. George from Medicine on Call. Each week I speak about our healthcare system and the problems with it. One of the main problems is the doctor-patient relationship. I've found that patients really crave time, the time to ask their doctor questions, and physicians crave the time to answer those questions in a thorough manner. Towards that end, Peachtree Ear, Nose, and Throat Center is pleased to announce a new video telemedicine service. We now offer consultation for second opinions and for people who'd like to learn more and ask questions about how to navigate the healthcare system in a cost-effective and efficient manner. Go to peachtreeentcenter.video-visits.com to learn more. Welcome back to Medicine on Call. Before the break, we were starting to really get into the, the different locations, and I'm really impressed. And actually, I've gone on the website, and I noticed that 
Johns Hopkins has an international medical center in Singapore. So we're talking about taking the, essentially the standard of healthcare in the United States and just transporting it out of the country. But with that, having the ability to know what the price is, be charged a fair price. And I mean, it's kind of a win-win, frankly, for the patient. And you might get a vacation out of it. <laughs> it's kind of a pretty neat, I think. Mm. It, it, it can be, and it isn't for everyone. I think, um, you know, we, we, we've pondered what really drives a medical, what, what differentiates someone who would travel for care from someone who, who wouldn't or couldn't. And one of the big differentiators is a passport. If, if you've never left the country, you can't imagine anything from a 7-Eleven to a J. Crew to a, you know, hotel in every major city, anywhere you go in the world, except for maybe Havana. And if you can't imagine that, you certainly can't imagine being on an operating table or even in a dentist chair. Mm. So, uh, and also there's a little bit of an adventurous spirit, um, someone who, and also someone who trusts their own research and self-advocacy uh, talents. Not everybody has that. Some people are scared to death to self-diagnose. And the tools are there to do that. Um, and, but a lot of people don't use them. And this applies for care in our own country, in our own backyard. I know people who don't look up their own doctor. They don't look up their own condition. They're not their own best advocate. Mm-hmm. That's a very dangerous place to be these days, whether you travel for care or not. Because doctors, uh, insurance companies have just blown the general practitioners and the specialists out of any ability to spend any time with the patient at all to really get to know that patient. So someone who's, who has those innate skills and also has a little bit of a sense of adventure and understands that there are great accommodations, great travel, and by extension, great health care in some of these other countries that some people think of as third world are going to be much more amenable to successful medical medical travel. I think you're right. I, I think that the patient, and I, I'm really fortunate, I get to see patients who are savvy, do their research, and want to be a partner in their care. I think that's extremely important. And you shop for everything else. Why don't you shop for your health care, for what getting yourself healthy? That's really key. I, I wouldn't personally want to leave that in anybody else's hands except my own. And this is your, your service provides a research tool, basically. It, it, it does, and we... Um like to think that we've helped to spawn a lot of other services um, that we believe over time will gain the kind of trust um, that some of the intermediaries in the United States have gained. Um, we hope that medical facilities around the world will begin begin to gain the trust and the branding that um, a Mayo Clinic or a Stanford uh, or a Cleveland Clinic or an NYU um, also mm-hmm. uh, enjoys. And that's going to be a matter of time. But for now, the tools are available. They just weren't available 15 or 20 years ago. So this this phenomenon of contemporary medical tourism, the medical tourism has gone on for two millennia, traveling from Greece to Hungary to go bask in some of the, you know, wonderful um, thermal, hydrothermal baths in, uh, in and around Lake Palacom. And it's, it's not a new phenomenon. But the uh, what's really up the ante is you've had this very, very complex 
set of conditions and procedures and strategies and treatments that you've got to wade your way through. Uh, and it's hard enough to do as a, as a domestic patient. And now we have the tools to allow people to communicate effectively and instantaneously directly with a doctor or medical center, a half a planet away, to be able to make some of their own choices, to go on the webs, uh, check out a doctor's credentials, to actually check out any public information about a clinic, and to get a pretty darn good idea that they're going to a, uh, a place that they can trust. Uh, and then it's just a matter of um, you know, having enough faith in yourself uh, to uh, go forth and, and get it done and mm-hmm. hopefully come back with a rewarding experience and some a good deal of change, sometimes tens of thousands of dollars uh, you can put back in the bank for whatever reason. Oh, that could be a life-saving and a, you know, a future-saving thing if you can actually have wealth left that you can live on and pass along to your loved ones instead of being priced out and tapped out and ending up yeah. on the, the oh. largesse of the government. That's not the way to do it. And I would think from the oncology that's standpoint, that's a big savings, isn't it? Oh, so many of them are. And uh, we it's something like one-third, according to the New England Journal of Medicine, one-third of all bankruptcies in the United States personal bankruptcies in the United States are the result of an inability to pay a medical bill. And that's a, it's, a, it's just that, you know, it's, it's shameful, but aside from that, it's also a reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we help so many patients uh, spend what they have otherwise spent, the $30,000 they pocketed, um, that allowed them to not have to put a second mortgage on their home. It allowed them to save their small business. It allowed them to uh, send their kid to another couple of years in college. So that, you know, when you're talking about that kind of savings, you're talking about real money that mm, essentially gets flushed down the toilet mm-hmm. and uh, puts people in a much bigger financial mind. We had a, mm, yeah, actually our former nanny way back in the day, longer than I care to think about, but some 30 years ago. She turns out she's a, she's a pastry chef now with a kid of her own, 15 years old, and she had a mouth, a whole mouthful of editors get um, and she wanted to improve her smile and she was just shocked here in Chapel Hill that the dentist quoted her $61,000. Wow. So we sent her down and there's no way that she could afford it. It's no. impossible. We sent her down to Costa Rica and I referred her to one of my favorite people down there and she cobbled together a small inheritance, a couple of loans, some credit cards and she could afford the $24,000 that he charged without breaking her financially. Mm-hmm. And that allowed her to afford a lot of other things. It allowed her to expand her business, put a little savings in for her kid who's not that far away from college, maybe for a car on the way. So these are very real life choices. Now this isn't, you know, it's one of the unfortunate things about the term medical tourism. It's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. It means so much more than that to people. Not about taking a vacation. Most people, you know, there's so many people who can't afford the plane fare to get across the water to get a medical procedure. For those many millions of patients that I call the working poor, the people that are one condition away from financial disaster, uh, those folks uh, need to have some kind of a solution that that they that, that, that works for them. And for that small subset that you know that that that, that uh, are motivated 
to do the research and to do their homework and to take that leap, there's a world out there that can serve them and reward them financially uh, and otherwise. And we're happy to be a part of that of that world. I, I think what you do is a real blessing to countless numbers of people, and I'm really happy that I'm able with the show to let people know, even more people know, that this is something, an option that they have. Now, we have about a minute left, and I want to make sure that people know how to, to get to you. And I know you have books and digital um, books as well. How can they find that online? Well, you can go to patientsbeyondborders.com, beyond, not without, but um, patientsbeyondborders.com. And we're actually putting a new site up that will be a lot more simplified. Um, and we are working on our fourth edition. Mm-hmm. The book is now fourth edition. Um, in, about a, in about a month, we'll have a little note up that basically uh, is uh, allowing people to, um, for at no charge, to get a, a, a PDF of our third edition while they're waiting for the fourth edition mm-hmm. because it's been a while since we've re, uh, republished it. There's a lot of really great information on how to prepare for your trip, what to do when you're there, what to do when you get back, if complications arise, et cetera, et cetera. And we're happy to share that information with people until the fourth edition is released uh, in early 2020. Yeah, Mr. Lickman, so I want anyone to... wants to... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, if anyone wants to write in, um, you can use our contact page and just request uh, um, the, the digital edition, and we'll be happy to send it along to them. It's a full digital edition of our of third edition. And if they want updated information about hospitals, they can just go to our website. That information will be up to date. Information in the book is not so much uh, when they start looking at the hospital. Great. That's awesome. Just excellent information. And I'll make sure that it goes up on my Facebook and, and uh, the, the landing page for the show. So I, w- I want to thank you so much for taking time to come on today. I learned a great deal. I'm really excited um, to know you and to be able to share what you do with everybody. So thank you for coming on, and, and thank you for being a guest. Well, thank you so much for having me. Good luck to all the folks out there uh, who are in need. Take care. Thank you, and thank you for listening to Medicine on Call. Revolutionary Talk for Revolutionary Times. Liberty Talk FM.